A carpenter has many different tools that they use in their craft, don't they? I mean, they'll have trucks full of them. We have guys here that have trucks and vans just full of tools and and different things that they use for a certain job, you know? And when they have those those tools, they're able to to do that job just the way it needs to be done. And so when that job is done, it's near perfect. Well, if we take that analogy and God is the master craftsman, He is the master carpenter, and we become the tools in the hand of the master carpenter, and He is able to complete that task or that job with that perfect tool. Amen? And so then we become things that God can use in certain instances to reach people. Amen? I was thinking uh, the other day, long, long time ago, uh, I heard a man say, and it struck me, and it, it has stayed with me to this day, and I want you to listen to this. And it's very, very simple, and it was this. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus and people. That's it. That's all it was. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus and people. All right? If you try to take one of those things out of it, it doesn't work. All right? And there's a scripture that says, Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Along with that in Proverbs, there's a scripture. God has a place that he's going to today. Can you tell that? (laughs) Along with that scripture, there's a scripture that says, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, there is destruction. And so in our lives, we can say, well, I know the way I'm going to go. I I don't need God. I don't need the Bible. I don't need... My parents, I don't need this or that. I, I, I do it myself. I don't need you guys. I'm, I got it. You ever said that? You ever said that? None of you guys ever said that. <laughs> right? That never went well for me. You know? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there is destruction. How did that work for you? When you tried to do things... Without God, have you ever tried that? If you haven't, don't. Don't. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. It's painful. It's hurtful. And it leaves behind a wake of destruction. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan and a purpose. And maybe you're wondering what that plan is. Maybe you're wondering what that purpose is. Maybe you have felt an emptiness in your life and in your heart and you're looking for fulfillment and you've tried and are trying to fill that void, that emptiness with things. You're trying to fill that emptiness and that lack of purpose 
with things that the world has to offer. Things like money, sex, and drugs, and rock and roll. You've heard that saying. You know, that used to be a saying that I would say all the time when I was a young teenager. Sex and drugs and rock and roll, I'd write it on signs, and I'd write it on walls and places, and we'll just leave that there. But God changed my life because I realized that's not what it was about. It was not about those things because those things leave you empty and lost and disillusioned. It's, it's fake. They, they leave you in a place where you're thinking, well, I, I, I thought that this was the way to go. I thought that this was the answer. I thought that this would make me happy. But it didn't. It just left me in a worse state than I was when I began. And so where do we go when we find that those things leave us in a place that is still longing for something, that is still longing for completeness, fulfillment. I remember, uh, I don't remember what movie it was, but I just remember this one, and it was one of the things that, uh, one of the commercials, it was a trailer, right, for the movie trailer a long time ago, and, and it was Tom Cruise, and he was saying, with tears in his eyes, he's like, you complete me. You remember seeing that? You guys remember seeing that? Jerry Maguire, okay, I didn't see the movie, but I just remember that, that one spot, you know, you complete me. <laughs> but that's really what it is, isn't it? When you find Christ, it's like it fills all of that longing, that emptiness that you feel in your heart, and it fills it up with purpose. How can that be? I mean, it's just church, right? It's just religion, right? How can, no, it's not. It's not at all. It's not about either of those things. It's about Christ and you. And there's a difference when there's relationship there. The relationship is what makes it real. The relationship is what makes it full of meat. You understand the difference? There's a difference between when you're eating greasy tater chips and when you're eating steak. Yeah? Right? You stick, you got the meat there. You got, you got a meal right there. They're going to stick with you for a while. <laughs> right? Tater chips in another hour and a half, you're looking for something else. Cookies or something. Somehow it just always boils down to food. <laughs> but when you got some beef, some meat right there, it just sticks to your bones, you know, sticks to your ribs. And when you got the relationship added to church and to religion, man, that's just what makes it all good. Because if you take the meat out, if you take the relationship out of those things, then it just becomes a bunch of motions and traditions that mean nothing, that change nothing, right? And it's all a bunch of noise without any purpose to it. But with the relationship, all of those things 
become so very important. And they put the pieces together, and everything has its purpose and its place. And you begin to see things differently than you did before. It's like, it's like somebody has torn away this veil, this blindness that was over your eyes. Yeah? And it's like um, there's a commercial out, Clarendon, I believe it is, and it shows, you know, uh, somebody just going through daily life and activities, and it's kind of cloudy. And, you know, it's, kind of, it's not very clear. And then they take to Clarendon, and everything just clears right up, you know, and, and everything's clear and invisible, and, but you didn't really know it was like that. It could be like that, right, until you took the drug. You took Claritin, or you tried Jesus. You know what I mean? When you try Jesus, it's like all of the confusion, the cloudiness of your life, the lack of purpose, all these things are like clear, and your eyes are opened. And it's as if you're hearing, but it's a dull hearing. Yeah. You ever have your ears plugged? Maybe you've had a cold recently, and your ears were plugged because your sinuses were all plugged up, you know? And, and your ears are plugged, and, and it's irritating. It's irritating. Because you can hear part of it, but you, you hear yourself more than you hear everything else, you know? And it's, it's irritating. And it's like when you come to Christ, it's like the things are unstopped from your ears and you begin to hear the words of Christ in a different way and they become clear to you. And you understand how they apply to your life. And then the words, well, they just don't fall on deaf ears anymore. They have an effect. And they, you hear and you're cleansed and you're made whole. You're made whole. You see, we are born and created with a need and relationship with God. Do you know that? We are created with a God-shaped hole, I've heard it said. And only God is the thing that will fit in that hole perfectly and complete that emptiness. Does that make sense? And without it, no matter what you try to put in there, it ain't going to fit, and it's not going to be sufficient, and it's not going to fulfill you. Do you remember those toys? My kids, we used to have this toy, and it was this round sort of thing, and you could pull it apart and twist it or whatever, something like that, and it had these different shapes on it, right? Uh, maybe Tupperware, is that what it was? And, and then you had these little yellow things, and one shape was a triangle, and that Shape triangle would fit into that thing, and then they would all end up inside. One was a square, and one was a, a round. You guys remember that? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right, you got it. And when you try to fit that square into that triangle, no matter how hard you try and how funny it is to watch your kids try to do that, it just don't fit quite right, you know? And But when they get that one round piece that just goes perfectly into there, you know, they're all excited. You're all excited. They got it. They got the concept. They're starting to get it. And, 
It's the same way in our, in our lives. In our spiritual lives, we were created with a God-shaped hole in our spirits, and only God can fill it. Nothing else is going to fill that hole. Nothing else is going to complete that hole. Do you understand? And without, without God being involved in our lives, we are missing out on so much that God has planned for us. Do you understand that? We're missing out on what God has planned for us. We are never able to attain what God wants to bless us with. Do you understand that? We're never able to fully become what God has destined us to become or what we could be. There's a, you know, a phrase out there, um, a catchphrase for one of the branch services, and you may know where I'm going right away. The army. Be all that you can be. Yeah? Be all that you can be. Well, in the kingdom of God, we're never going to be all that we can be unless we have God and relationship, relationship filling that God-shaped hole in our spirits. We'll always be lacking something. Does that make sense? God has a plan for us. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, this is one of my top three scriptures in the whole Bible. Can we bring that up? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to what? Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you understand? That is God's heart in the whole of Scripture. God's heart is to bless you. He, he wants to put his favor upon you. You're his, you're his kids. You're his sons. You're his daughters. And he has a love for you like none other. And he wants to just smother you with blessing. He wants to smother you with his favor. I think sometimes I see grandparents. Grandparents are pretty good at smothering kids. All right? There's not really a whole lot of discipline that they need to do because they can just give them whatever they want and just send them home. And then me and Jody, we got to deal with everything. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying, right? And so the grandparents, man, they just love to have the little ones around. And they just love to give them whatever they want and fatten them up and get them all wired with all the sugar and stuff and let them watch all the cartoons all day long and then just send them home. Right, Hope? <laughs> Hope always comes and Ed with a whole vehicle full of little ones, grandkids. Yeah? God wants not to spoil you, but he wants to bless you. He wants to give you, listen to this, he wants to give you the very best of what he has. The very best of what he has. And let me tell you, what he has is the very best. He wants to place his favor 
upon you. What does that mean to be blessed by God? What does that mean to have his favor upon us? Well, think about it. If you have someone in a high position that has the ability to give you things that others may not have access to. Does that make sense? Okay. And so had you not had the relationship with this person, you would not get that, those special favors, right? If you had a police officer that was a friend of yours, you might be able to get a special favor if you were pulled over on the road for speeding or some minor thing. You might be able to get away with it if you had a friend that was in a position of authority like that. You follow me? You might be able to get a special favor, okay, and so on. But with the kingdom of God, when we have relationship with God in our lives, he has the ability to bless us because he owns it all. Everything belongs to him, does it not? He has the ability to place his favor on us because it's all his. And there's scripture after scripture in the Bible that says, because he loves me, I will. And he he goes on and explains all these things. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will bless him. I will make his life long. I will prosper him. I will protect him. You fill in the blanks. If, If we love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, Romans 8, 28, that all things will work together for our good. Amen. Have you been trying to fill your life with things that leave you wanting? Have you been trying to fill your life with things that are not going to last? The Bible talks about Investing ourselves in the kingdom. Investing ourselves in things where moth and rust can't destroy. Have you ever put clothes in a closet and left them there for a long time, and then when you go to pull them out, you find that these little tiny holes are in them? Little tiny holes. And you're like, what? When I put this thing away, it was in perfect condition. Now there's holes. Look it. It's useless. I can't use this anymore. Well, the moths, these tiny little moths get into there, and they'll just eat right through your clothes. Hence the reason for lovely mothballs. They taste so good. No, no. All right. So you can put mothballs in your closet or in the clothes or something like that because the moths don't like it, and it keeps them away. All right. Or have you had a car in New York State in winter where there's salt on the roads, and this beautiful vehicle that you once had now at the bottom of the rocker panels and fenders, you're finding these little dots with this lovely color we call rust. And this rust begins to eat through that vehicle that you so love, 
and may still be paying for, I might add. <laughs> and pretty soon there's holes in said vehicle, right? And so even though we're putting money into these clothes and, and these vehicles, they're being eventually destroyed. They're, they're being rotted, right, by circumstances that we can't control. And so the Bible says, put your hope, put your, your trust, invest yourself in the kingdom, in the things of heaven, so that they will not rust or the moths can't eat and destroy. I think often about the, uh, the story, the parable that Jesus told. And we reference it often, but it's just so true and it's so powerful. And being where my family was the past week here in Florida, we went to Cocoa Beach for a while. It's gorgeous there. Beautiful. And the sun was shining and it was 85. And it was just so beautiful. Let's just go there for a few minutes. Can we go? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we enjoyed ourselves so much. But I was reminded once again in physical form that when you stand in the water, when the water recedes back out to sea, out to the ocean, that it takes with it the sand. And you have to continually reset yourself because the sand is being washed out from under your feet constantly. And that parable, that story that Jesus told about the man that built his house upon the sand. And when the winds came and the waves and the rain came and they beat against that house, well, the Bible says that that house fell with a mighty crash. Why? Because the foundation on which it was built was moving. It was moving. And when the sand moves, Everything on top of it comes down with it. But then there was another man that built his house upon the rock, upon a firm foundation. And those same winds came and those waves and, and the storm and the rains, and, and they beat against that house too. But that house stood through the storm. Why? Because it was built on a firm foundation. I ask you today, what is your life built upon? Is your life built upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Messiah? Or is it built upon your own ability to provide for yourself? Is it built upon your ability to make money? Is it built upon your ability to gain things, and, or is it built upon your uh, notoriety or fame? or Who knows? You can fill in the blank. Because if it's built on anything else, those things will, I promise you, let you down at some point or another. They will let you down. But I promise you, if you put your faith and your trust in that of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior. He will carry you through that. And I was talking to a brother at the Lenten luncheon the other day, 
Pastor William Wilkinson down here at the Presbyterian Church. And we were talking about our kids, and we had had a conversation before, and he asked me how my kids were doing. And so we talked for a little bit, you know, and, and uh, we, we vowed that we would pray for each other. And um, how our parents, we worry about our children, don't we? And, and so we were talking the other day, and we, we made a promise that we were going to pray for each other and follow up with each other. And it's just so, so awesome to be able to have that kind of caring relationship with another person in the kingdom of God. Different denomination <laughs> altogether. But man, we, we still care for each other, and, and that's, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. Friends, what are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your president? Are you trusting in your government? Are you trusting in your church? Are you trusting in the stock market? Are you trusting in your husband or your wife? Friends, these things will let you down. But you put your faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. He will not let you down. As I close my eyes, I'm reminded of that picture. And the picture is these footprints in the sand. Have you seen it? I'm sure you have. And the person that is seeing these footprints says, Lord, why was it during the most difficult times in my life are there only one set of footprints? Why, would you, why do I see two sets of footprints during the easy times in my life and then when things got difficult, there's only one, one set of footprints? Why would you leave me when I needed you the most? Why would you do that to me? You promised to never leave me. You promised to never forsake me. And yet, you left me alone during my worst of times. Why? And the Lord responded, I never left you. I never left you. It was during those times that you couldn't walk yourself. And so I carried you. I carried you during those times. Have you ever been carried? <laughs> Have you ever been carried <laughs> by the Lord? Yeah. Wow. The Lord will carry you through the difficult times. Would you stand with me today? You know, it's just... I'm so glad that we can follow the Holy Spirit in our church. And by that I mean I had a whole different message once again that God had prepared, that I had prepared, and felt that the Lord wanted me to do, and we'll probably still do it at a later time, but for today... God said something different.
What have you filled that God-shaped hole in your heart with? What have you been trying to fill it with? Is it working? If you haven't filled it with the Lord, why don't you do that today? Why don't you do that today? Why wait? Why put it off? We're not guaranteed another day. I will never forget the day my wife and I got a call early in the morning. And it was from a number that we didn't recognize. And so we didn't answer the call. And so I'm downstairs in our fitness room working out early in the morning and my wife comes tearing down the stairs with the words, Devin is in the hospital. Devin's in the hospital. And we, couldn't, we didn't know where that was at the time. We had no idea because it was an out-of-town number like North Tonawanda or something. And so we're thinking, where, where in the world is he? And so we're trying to figure out how we're going to get to him, our son that needs us, and that is at death's door. And so we take a shot in the dark, and we just call down to Medina, and he's there. So we run down there as fast as we can, and we find out that my boy, our boy, was found in the canal in late November and it was below 32 degrees. And that he was drowning in that water. And he nearly died. And that is a call that no parent wants to receive, obviously. And he was in that water for 45 minutes. Can you imagine? 45 minutes he was in that water trying to pull himself up the walls, cement walls of the canal. And he couldn't find a place to get up and out. So he tried a couple different places, swimming from place to place, fully clothed, and finally found just something sticking out of the wall that he could hold on to just to keep his head above water. And he was even beginning to lose strength to hold on to that, to keep him breathing. He was losing all feeling in his legs, and it was climbing up to where it was hard for him to breathe. And all of his muscles began to shut down. And he just began to cry out. He was screaming at the top of his lungs. And I, it just it tears me up to know that my strong boy was screaming for his last breath. And someone heard him two blocks away. And he said to his wife, mind you, this is midnight. Do you hear that? Do you hear something? She says, yeah, I hear it. It's, it's probably a fight going on down at the bar down there, or the pool hall, whatever it was. She says, don't go down there. You get in trouble. You get hurt. And so he's bringing out the trash and doing some other things at midnight. And he hears the screams of my son. 
He gets in his vehicle and he drives down, trying to listen for the screams. He gets out of his vehicle over the canal and walks down to the canal, listening and shining a flashlight. And finally, he sees my son clinging for his life to a piece of whatever that was sticking out of the the wall. And so he called the police, and the police were there very, just a few minutes. And they couldn't reach him, so one had to be let down over the side to grab a hold of him, and Devin could probably hardly just reach his arms up at this point. And so they grabbed a hold of him, these two big guys, and one's holding on to his ankles as he's down over the side. And he grabs a hold of him with one arm, and he pulls him up onto the shore close enough to where the other guy could hold onto his ankles and then my son's ankle and pull them both up. And they put him in the cruiser. They stripped him of all of his clothing and put him in the cruiser and turned the heat up, and then the ambulance came and took him to Medina Hospital. When we got there, the nurse took us aside. And she closes the door behind us as they were taking Devin out of the room. We had seen him, and he was breathing, and he was alive. His hands were just like somebody cut them all up with razor blades from trying to get a hold of something on that flat cement wall. And she, said, she breaks down crying. Hear me now. She breaks down crying as she's telling us that our son was near death when they brought him in. Praise God. Praise God. Devin told us that he cried out these words, God, save me! And he says, I kept saying it over and over. Save me. God saved him. God saved him. Maybe you have been in this place. Maybe someone you love has been in that place. Friends, God can save you. God can save them. And he can turn your life around. And he can turn their lives around. And give them a purpose. Give them fulfillment. Give you fulfillment. That's what he wants to do for you. If you are that person or if you know of someone that you love, would you come forward today? And just, just kneel down here. It's just, it's just home with the rest of us. Would you come and bring that person before the Lord or bring yourself before the Lord and cry out to God, God, save me. God, save them. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your grandchild. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it's your mom or your dad. Bring that. Bring those names to the altar today. And say, God, save me. Save them. And put them in the hands of the one that has the power to save. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's pray this morning. Let's pray. And I want to thank you for your patience. And 
Let's pray together. And maybe as you're standing or sitting or kneeling, you have someone in your mind that you're thinking about, or maybe it's you. Let's call out to God and ask him to save them. Can we do that together? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Let's just reach our hands up to the Lord this morning. Just reach them up in an act of faith. Heavenly Father, we just pray for those those people. We lift up those names. We speak them out, and I want you to do that. I just want you, if you're able, to speak those names of the people that you're praying for this morning, if not yourself. Heavenly Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would save these people, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would rescue them from the path of destruction, Heavenly Father. I pray, O oh God, that you would watch over them, Heavenly Father, with a tender jealousy, O oh Lord. Father, I pray that you would rescue them from the hands of the enemy, O oh God. I pray these things in your name. I pray, O oh God, that you would pour out your Spirit upon them today. I pray that you would give them purpose. I pray that you would fill the emptiness in their lives, O oh God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we lift up these names, that these people would begin, that you would open their eyes, Heavenly Father, that you would open their eyes, that they would be able to see clearly who you are, not the lies that are told, not the fables, but that they would see you for who you are, that you would unstop their ears, O Lord, that you would be able to speak to them and that they would hear you clearly and understand I pray these things, Heavenly Father. And we commit these names, these people to you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.